Hello and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dagot Podcast. You are joining us on a week that has been dominated by um, protests and public anger at the death of um, George Floyd. George Floyd was a 46-year-old American, or rather black man, who was killed in Minneapolis by police officers. He was unarmed and... His death has brought into light a lot of issues that cut across uh, society in general. Football being part of society has seen a few prominent players and and, um, figures come out strongly to condemn what has been going on in the United States as a whole. But the general discussion has been on the racism that's being faced by minorities, especially in the society. So... Before we go deep into this, I'd like to introduce to you a few people who will be discussing this and other topics with. So first of all, Fabian Abiambo. Hello, everyone. Hello, how are you? I'm okay, I'm good. Uh, Michael Moyer, who was with us last week as well. Hi, hi, how are you guys? I'm okay, I'm okay, good. I'm good. Cabra- Cabral as well, Cabral. Uh, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fine. So, Fabian, uh, regarding what's been going on in the United States, what are your thoughts and what is the role that we have to play as a society to avoid such things from happening? Well, to be honest, me, I'm hoping the, the protests go, go on until, like, end of the year. Those guys have, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Those guys have had it coming Why? for long. It, 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 it just can't be that. Um, yeah. Can you hear repeat, it can't be that there's repeat incidences of police brutality and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and not just police brutality but brutality being meted out on on the the blacks basically and and, and uh, the other minorities so mm. i guess as a society all we can do is uh, support join the conversation uh, but also uh, we need to remember even in our country here uh, in Kenya, uh, that that's been going on, and especially during the time of uh, of, of, the, of the pandemic, uh, we've had mm. we've had people being killed, including kids being shot, you know, by mm. police in the name of mm. uh, enforcing the curfews. So, mm. yeah, I think as a society, we owe it to each other and to everyone else to do all that we can to make this a conversation that the powers that be uh, should be having and that they should be responding. So we ought to push them to that level where they have to respond. And so uh, for the you know protests going on, and especially in the United States, um, I'm hoping the protesters don't let up. Uh, this is their chance to finally get something meaningful done. So as long as it takes I hope they continue. Uh, Michael, yeah. have you joined in on well, the <laughs> I have. I have in my in my own small way and I believe that it is the right thing to do to to protest because this is something that we go through every single time and and uh <clears throat> and I honestly think that the people who are in positions to to be able to fight and outline the problems that we go through need to continue to do it every single time so that the powers that be who can actually make a change can listen. 
And Cabral, having seen what's going on, do you think this is a watershed moment in terms of race relations as well as the the conversation that is being had at the moment? Will that change uh, going forward? Um, to be honest, I do not. Uh... I do not think I'm I'm, I'm qualified uh, to 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 really talk about it. Um, you know, in terms of the context with which within which it's happening in the in the United States, I can talk about race in football. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, in the context that it's happening, I I'm, I'm watching what's happening and I'm learning quite a few things. But I still don't think I'm <clears throat> sufficiently qualified to talk about it. Well, FIFA president Gianni uh, Infantino believes uh, players who protest on the pitch uh, about the death of George Floyd deserve an applause, and quote, deserve an applause and not punishment. While the FA has also suggested that it is unlikely to sanction any discrimination in justice. So it appears that football is becoming more aware of its position in society. Do you think this is common sense taking precedence, especially when it comes to enforcing of these football laws that we hate sometimes? Um, I actually I was uh, I was doing research on uh, racism in football, and I came across something very um, interesting. As far back as uh, 1992, when um, Rod Hullet and uh, Frank Reichard were racially abused in Serie A. Uh, Syria actually organized um, a sort of kick it out campaign, you know, saying no racism and everything. Mm-hmm. The same thing they're doing right now, yeah. Like, uh, uh, you remember, I think a few months ago when um, uh, Korea del Sport had a headline uh, stating Black Friday yeah. when Smalling was playing versus uh, Lukaku. And then Syria yeah. came in with the, you know, the monkey um, caricatures and everything. So I realized that uh, <laughs> it, this this conversation has been had since um, 1992. That's uh, 28 years ago, and uh, they're still doing the very same things right now. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 a huge cultural thing. So it's since they've not really improved since then, they still make such gaffes as the ones they did a few months ago. Uh, so I, I don't think I think most of the officials who are talking about it right now are trying to be on the safe side of history because history is going to judge quite a few people harshly. So we've we've not seen a, a player really walk out of a competitive match and the repercussions. Whether his teammates will, you know, join him, all his teammates and everything. We've seen uh, Kev Boateng doing it versus uh, Propatia. But that was a friendly match. Mm. So as much as people talk about, you know, walking off the pitch, we always see their teammates trying to keep them on the pitch. Balotelli has tried to do it, but his teammates always convince him to stay on the pitch. So <laughs> that's why I'm telling you this, 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 is, this is a race that's not going away, going forth anytime soon. As long as your teammates know that you're being abused, but they want, to, want you to remain on the same arena where you're being abused, just because uh, football is more important than you know how you feel about all all that's happening to you we are not going anywhere fast very soon we've seen teams like bulgaria being charged you know they they, they pay a measly $25,000 and then they're banned for like a game and then the next game their fans do the same thing over and over again so mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of organizations being formed, but unless, I don't know, uh, 
it, it has to be much stricter. The individuals have to be imprisoned. The teams have to lose points, and you know, it has to. They have to feel it in a way that actually hurts them. Yeah, that's when clubs will take it upon themselves, and fans will take it upon themselves to, you know, um, school the people to be responsible for the people next to them. Otherwise, uh, it's it's all useless. That's why I'm looking at Adidas and Nike, you know, uniting to for the blackout Tuesday. And okay, you know, they they just copy paste each other's messages. And Hamilton, you know, shamed all the other F1 drivers into coming up with messages in support of the protests and everything. And you have to ask yourself. Um, Okay, well, are they doing this because they want to or because they want to be on the right side of history? So there are a lot of people who are yeah, doing this yeah. thing just to seem like, you know, they're not on the fair, on the, on, in the same boat as the oppressors, not that they genuinely care. So I'm not optimistic. It's going to continue for a while. It's almost as if clubs and players are releasing statements to be, so that they be seen as doing something. Um, Fabian, as I was released a statement this week um, in the same breath, and they came under a bit of criticism, especially given that uh, given the issue with Mesut Ozil the season last season or the season before, if I'm not mistaken, the the criticism for Arsenal came when or rather has come because of the perceived lack of support that a player like Mesut Ozil received did not receive or did not receive from Arsenal. Um, since you might be knowledgeable about this, could you just walk us through the thinking of Arsenal as a, the position that they are in? In one hand, they want to stand with players and, and fans, but on the other hand, what they do does not back okay. what they are saying. Um, <laughs> the statement released by Arsenal, I, I, I'm not reading too much into it because every every major you know football club every major entity be it business football you know these brands they've been releasing statements of late a, a bit generic just each trying to say oh they're against uh, racism or black lives matter and all that yeah but i also didn't feel when i saw the statement i didn't feel i didn't feel uh, convinced because this is the same same club that had to sort of reprimand Mesut Ozil or speak against his message when he voiced concerns for the, the are they called Uyghur Muslims in China who are being uh, yeah. persecuted and all that. Yeah. And the club yeah. basically said, no, uh-uh, you are alone in that. We are not, we are not doing that. <laughs> so yeah. he, you don't know where the club stands, really stands or Maybe maybe it's because I don't know. There's, I think China is the biggest um, overseas market of the Premier League. I think something like that. Yeah. So yeah. maybe as a club, maybe they're looking after their commercial interests. But still, mm. why why now why now are they now saying oh gee are they now talking about Black Lives Matter as if now they are the the voice of reason when it comes mm. to to race issues and, and and human rights issues and then today today i saw some start by a, just a, a fan page the saying arsenal was the first english club to have up to nine black players in a first 11 
Arsenal match in 2002 yeah. I yeah. think yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say the club has a history of being diversity uh, of uh, embracing diversity but mm. I think the the message from the club needs to be consistent uh, they need to choose whether they're going to stick mm, right. to just pro- looking and protecting their commercial interest or where they're actually going to mm. uh, be on the lookout for where they're going to whether they're going to be a voice uh, against uh, discrimination and especially racial discrimination right uh, to actual football now um, La Liga is back in a few days time uh, starts with the Seville derby if I'm not mistaken um, but before we get to that of course uh, the world's interest is on the top of the table and what's going on there it's a battle between Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid, Real Madrid. So, <laughs> Madrid are two points behind uh, Barcelona. Can they do it again? Or rather, can they pick Barcelona to the title? Well, uh, <laughs> to be honest, uh, Barcelona, Fab is going to kill me for this, but Barcelona, are, to me, are the favorites. <laughs> I think, um, despite the issues that uh, Barcelona have, right now uh, with the management and, you know, Messi, uh, pardon my friends, being a prick. But in, in general, I... He's basically managing the whole club from... Yes, him, but I, I honestly do believe that they will do it again. They have the players for it. Messi is going to pull another surprise mm-hmm. as usual. And and with the, with, with the amount of... Uh, with, with mm-hmm. the remaining matches they have to play, I think the toughest game they have to play is... Maybe the Atletico Madrid in July. That's first of July on Wednesday. I don't see any other big game they have left. I think they'll they'll mm-hmm. they'll probably tip Madrid to the league again. Right, Fab. Uh, I think I'd say mm-hmm. it's still too close to call. Uh, the La Liga La Liga season this season has been a pendulum swinging back and forth between Barcelona and mm-hmm. and Real Madrid. I think what we can the certain the certainty this season has been that Atletico Madrid has been totally out of it, so that we can rule out Atletico Madrid coming back into the conversation. But when it comes to the league, remember Real Madrid has a better head-to-head record than Barcelona this season. So you never know if that might be crucial uh, when the season ends. Uh, but that said, also I think we are yet to see how the other teams will adjust to playing behind, playing without fans, essentially, whether the trends would be as before the break or whether maybe some other teams will be stronger than than, than they would be usually. So that's what I'm saying. I can't say who is the favorite. I, I literally can't say who's the favorite. So <laughs> we are going to have to wait and see because the gap is two points is yeah. points is nothing. That's just a game. You lose a game and they win a game and that's yeah. it. Madrid still have to play a bar at home, Valencia at home, Sociedad away, Mallorca at home, Espanol away and Getafe their last league game at home. Speaking of Atletico Madrid, of course Michael mentioned that they are they pose Barcelona the biggest challenge. I'm just wondering, after all the purchases that they made at the start of the season, 
they look like they're completely overhauling the team. And a lot of us thought that maybe they're challenge for La Liga title. Cabral, what went wrong there? At least uh, until now, they seem to have fallen off the pace in La Liga. Um, <clears throat> it's been, uh, I think it's been a few years since uh, Atleti were, you know, competitive at all in uh, in La Liga. Uh, I think the t- Simeone's time has just come to an end because he's an excellent manager and he has possibly the best um you know the second, the second, third best squad in the league, like the most balanced in terms yeah. of talent. Uh, but uh, so the thing is, they do not score enough. That's just it. You know, in uh, most games in La Liga, you'll find them going away and they'll draw or lose by you know the odd goal, and that's just not good enough because uh, you Madrid and Barcelona score quite a bit, and uh, it doesn't matter how much they concede. Mm-hmm. So Atleti do not concede quite do not concede many goals, but they do not score many either. And you need the points. You'd rather win one game and lose two rather than draw three in a row. So you know, um, Simeone just does not know how to get the best attacking output of out of what he has. He has the most expensive teenager, you know, I think ever. Uh, he has he bought a whole new. Um, midfield and backline. He has so many pieces. Uh, you look at that squad and you see how they set up. They're playing with uh, three very conservative midfielders against teams like Eibar. It does not make sense. So I just think his time has naturally come to an end. I'd really like to see that squad under a coach like Conte. And then I'd I'd love to see Simeone at Inter. You know, they they it's it's a bit. They basically have the sort same sort of um, philosophies. Uh, but yeah, right across Italy, a team that's perhaps a team that is perf- perhaps performing better than many people expected is Lazio. Um, they're second on the table, a point behind Juventus. Have Lazio surprised you as well, Cabral? Or did you see this coming? Uh, not really. Um, they've been building towards having a big season for quite a bit. Uh, Inzaghi is an excellent coach. The, I call him the superior Inzaghi because um, he's better than his brother in terms of coaching. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the thing about is useless. The thing about Lazio right now is um, they do not. It's it's as if they deliberately got knocked out of all the distractions, out of the Europa League, out of the cups. They only have um, Serie A to to concentrate on, and uh, you could see why you know they were very angry when you know some people wanted to void the season because this was it, it could be a historic season for them. Uh, they only have uh, twelve games to go, and the last time they lost was twenty one games ago. Twenty one games ago. Yeah. They are that good. Um, so you know they've they they've scored the second most goals. They've conceded the least. They have balance, total balance. They're they're exactly where they want to be, just just behind Juventus. Yeah, but they have to play Juventus, yeah. whom they've beaten twice already this season. Like they've made Juventus, you know, like Juventus see them and you know they do not want to play football anymore. They've beaten them three one twice. Yeah, not flukes, proper beatings. So they have to go to the Juve Stadium, and Juve do not have the fans behind them. So it's going to be very interesting. But the advantage that uh, Lazio had 
has that has been wiped out is that uh, Inter and uh, Juve were still in Europe, uh, which means they're going to play multiple games still if the season had continued as it were. But now, I said the, the the European season has been um, postponed till maybe August, so they have the same number of games as Lazio. So it's going to be a you know a street fight from now to the end of the season. You know, same number of games. All personnel are back from injury. No fans at all, so no one can claim home advantage. You know, uh, per se. So yes, I think they can do it. Do I think they can do it? I think they can do it because. Um, that of the record against Juve and the fact that they go to Juve and uh, with four games remaining, if they can avoid losing at Juve, I think they can win. Yeah, Michael, do you think they can do it? It would be so much fun to see another team. Yeah, I would be happy, I would be happy for them to win, but you know, I, I'm just of the feeling that uh, Juve are inevitable, <laughs> especially now that they also don't have any. They don't have the European competition to worry about. It might. Uh... I like. I like what you oh, yeah. uh, an, uh, an <laughs> ah, There we go. Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just have a feeling that they are, they are inevitable. <laughs> Everyone loves an underdog. Yeah. I'm rooting for for Lazio. Definitely, they've had an incredible season. They have scored so many goals. They've been always on the front foot. Well, if you compare to Juve, which has been a bit, for lack of a better term, lukewarm throughout the season and they've been depending on a few ref calls, mm-hmm. calls uh, by the ref and, you know, a last minute goal here and there, yeah. you know. So it, it has <laughs> been always. easier yeah. for Juve yeah. because of the lack and the ref. But I do believe that that might actually be the edge because maybe the games that they won 1-0 or 2-1 and odd 1-0 or 2-1 is what might be the reason they win the league. Now with no home advantage, with uh, that rest, mm-hmm. everyone is back, everyone is fit, fat but fit later. I, As much as I hate to say this, I think Ronaldo will be lifting the title again. I don't hope I, I I don't want that to happen as much as I love Ronaldo. Um, Fabian, Inter Milan are what nine points yeah. behind uh, Juventus. At some point, yeah, with the game in hand, it's nine, right? <laughs> okay. Six plus three, it's nine. With a game in hand, yes. At some point, they seem to be the biggest. They seem to be the um, challengers to Juventus, and everything seemed to have fallen off. What went wrong? Uh, I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I is, know what went wrong. No, the thing, the, the thing, the thing with Inter is. Uh, um, <clears throat> let, let's just be, and I'll, I'll try to be as honest as I can. This season was not the season we were supposed to challenge for the Scudetto. Um, this was a season of progress, yes. But, mm-hmm. you know, we we started with the contest so hard and all of a sudden expectations were just too high. Uh, I think we were in a false position, mm-hmm. position for a long time uh, because we went so... In fact, there's a time we went so many games without losing away. 
uh, which was that's just unlike Inter mm. <laughs> at all. But uh, so it's not a, it's not about what went wrong. I think the season just went as it's supposed to go. That's the position Inter was supposed to be with that number of points. Uh, I think this season, when Conte came, what I knew was that we were going to improve defensively and we were going to finish in the Champions League places. That That's what I expected. Mm-hmm. And we are still there. We are still third. Uh, nine points behind Juve, but with a game in hand. So assuming we win that game, even though we are Inter, uh, that takes us to six points behind. I don't know. I'm not ruling out uh, Inter being in in the conversation for the title because that break you just don't know what a long break like that does mm-hmm. to teams' momentum, yeah. and that's uh, that's something I really fear for Lazio. Yeah. Yeah. Lazio yeah. didn't need that break at all. That break came at the wrong time, yeah. and I think mm-hmm. for us, Inter, the break came at the right <laughs> time because we were <laughs> our wheels were just coming off. So I think after the break, we, we'll see. We'll see how the how Juve and Lazio uh, adjust and uh, how Inter adjust. Uh, I think, uh, and then my biggest concern maybe would be that the fact that Lautaro Martinez, his future is up in the air, in the air. Yeah. So yeah. will he be unsettled for the rest of the season? I don't know. But uh, the one thing I can say. The one thing I can say is that uh, it's not yet over. Uh, personally, I expect Juve to win it again, but it's not yet over. So let's see. Well, Lotero Martinez has been one of the better players at Inter, and it appears that he might be on his way to Barcelona with uh, Miralem Pjanic at the disco. Um, this, this is obviously going to affect uh, the Syria teams, but how would the two players perhaps fit in Barcelona's system. Uh, well, uh, Barcelona. I first of all, I'd like to say that probably it's Messi who's Messi and his nepotism. You know, he's probably trying to get as many <laughs> of his guys in there. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I maybe to be honest with you, um, Lautaro is a was a really good pick by Messi. I think he's going to bring a bit more bite into the forward line. Maybe something that mm-hmm. they lacked in Griezmann and he, Griezmann seemed a bit blunt to me. Griezmann. They would need someone who was more of an impact player. You know, someone who would have quote-unquote passion. So he would bring a lot of bite at the front. And uh, mm. a, a Barcelona team with Messi creating mm. right behind Good strike force. I think Suarez Suarez should be back. I think I'm not sure about that, but with uh, Suarez and uh, Lautaro, I think it'll be a formidable, formidable uh, front line. And Pjanic has been known obviously for his creative ability at at, uh, at Juve, and uh, he's been given an opportunity to play with another really great player. Creating with him and Messi would it, I think it would be great. There's not really any rocket science <laughs> behind that? They have, Barcelona is a great team, and adding even better mm-hmm. players would be good. It would also, uh, well, for the future, 
it's 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 always good to have quality players. as many quality players as you can keep in a team if you're a big club that's going to be competing for everything. Vidal is aging, still good, but he's aging. And Dembele has been good, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe I, I don't know if he, they think nutbags are enough for the club, but all in all, quality is always important and them fitting into the Barcelona system will not will not really be that hard. Right. And Cabral, so Lotoro and Piani might be joining, but then that would mean or rather rumors are that Dembele and uh is it Coutinho are also on their way out. So that's selling two of their most expensive players and getting two other players in to replace them. Was, who makes such decisions at Barcelona? Are, are these decisions made from the footballing side or they are made entirely from the suits who sit high up in our camp? Um, <clears throat> I think um, the likes of um, Abidal and Pujol are very are still getting you know uh, experience in that area but there's always been um, this rumor that uh, Messi calls all the shots at uh, Camp Nou which is um, it's used to tease him you know to to make him look like some small dictator but the reality is all all sports teams no all sports teams are um, all big sports teams have big personalities and uh, Fabian would be the first to tell you that uh, at Madrid the axis of power was Casillas uh, Ramos and Ronaldo and uh, when they were fed up of Mourinho they kicked him out it was that simple at united you had the likes of uh, roy keane and you know giggs and scholes all big teams have those players who you know they do not like directly interfere with management but they they are consulted on some decisions they reach a place in their careers where they're consulted at bayern you had schweinsteiger alarm etc yeah so even in basketball you saw uh, michael jordan <laughs> michael jordan you know making yeah. quite a few uh, big calls uh but uh i i think that uh it's been unfortunate how dembele's career has gone he's not been off, as awful as people have made it out to be because there are times when uh, he was winning games for barcelona uh it's just that uh, for the prize he was bought at people were expecting him to be some sort of neymar uh but he's always he's had this injury problems and stop start stop start and he's still very young so um i still think a team that could will take a gamble on him you know could get a potentially world class player but uh when if lautaro comes in i think um that that, that just benefits messi quite a bit because uh messi doesn't you know run the channels he he when you when you run the channels as a player for barcelona messi will find you it's that simple um so i think with griezmann and uh, lautaro on the front line that would be quite uh, you know it will make barcelona more like a, a more um attacking outfit like a very dangerous outfit to face because right now they are a bit static you know people are are milling about suarez as the, the legs have gone you know suarez used to be a player with a lot of bite and everything but right now he's getting old and uh, apparently he's only scored i think two champions league goals in the last two years so they need a bit of refreshment up there but uh, as uh, as messi ages you'll see that um, you know he'll score maybe less goals but he'll create more because he can play any sort of pass he's the most creative player in the world yeah. 
So with a player like Lautaro, who's always willing to make the run, and Griezmann, who's always willing to make the run, Barcelona are going to be, you know, I think they're going to be formidable. And then there's a Pjanic. Of course, he's not going to sit at the base of midfield. That's Busquets' place. Uh, but uh, there are some games where, um, where Barcelona might need to be a bit conservative. So he might sit alongside Busquets. Or he's played as a 10 uh, earlier in his career at Lyon. And uh, even at Roma, he played uh, a bit you know, as a central midfielder. So I think he'll slot into midfield with um, uh, uh, Frankie and uh, Busquets. Uh, I think that's why they want to get rid of uh, Atamelo. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if that's a good trade at this point because he's also eight and he's not had uh, the best season uh, so far. So it should be interesting to see what happened. Coutinho was a huge failure. Uh, Barcelona, for some reason, have spent almost 200 million on Dembele and Coutinho, and both have not panned out well. So, you know, see how that goes. Right. Fab, as we close, do you think any Premier League club could take a gamble on Dembele? And turn him into a world beater that they should. We all thought you would be. <laughs> they should. Uh, but the thing is, even before I, I comment about that, there's a lot of uh, the a lot of things happening at Barcelona yeah. that uh, we may render some of these things you are talking about moot. For instance, Barcelona still they had asked mm-hmm. their players to take pay cuts of up to seventy percent. And they're still asking for more pay cuts. And they're yeah. having uh, some of their staff uh, followed yeah. in the government scheme. Now, taking, taking for example the Lautaro yeah. situation, I think they've agreed terms with the player. Barcelona have agreed terms with the player on the salary length of contract, I think five years. But the problem is they've not agreed on the sum to pay. Inter want uh, the full 110 million euros. Uh, that's the, the release clause they have for the for for the player. 110 million euros during this time is simply not possible, and especially for Barcelona, they. Uh, I think they are trying to get Inter do a deal where they pay some, uh, like part of the sum, and then complement with the. Some extra player, some players that they think maybe they don't need, and Inter could be interested in. Uh, so uh, the question would be now: uh, mm. h- How does Barcelona justify asking players to take massive pay cuts, having their staff on the government scheme, and yet paying at three, uh, you know, yeah. uh, over hundred million euros for a player? Uh, so and and their finances haven't mm-hmm. been good. That's something that is is obvious. In fact, re- recently there's a story of them. Uh, they have these customized uh, face masks, Barcelona face masks, and they're selling them. They're making money out of them, and there is yeah. no evidence that mm-hmm. that money is being used to is being taken to charity or or something like that. This means uh, the the great football club mm-hmm. of Barcelona are making face masks 
are making money out of face masks. <laughs> so <laughs> it shows you just how it just it shows just how dire things are. But yeah, coming well. back to Dembele, Demb- Dembele is when I first mm. the, when I first watched Dembele play for Ren. I think I don't know. He was eighteen, seventeen, I think. And I just knew this guy is going to be the next big thing. Uh, I didn't think actually. I didn't think Mbappe would be bigger a player than Dembele. Uh, so there's just something. I I don't know whether it's his mentality. Mm-hmm. There have, there have been complaints by Barcelona that this guy okay, uh, he plays well, but he doesn't train well. He has a bad. They had been complaining about his attitude. He comes late for training, uh, and also the, the the people around him are not the best of uh, the best people you want to have around uh, a young footballer like that. But Dembele still has. I think he's twenty two still. Yeah. So he still has his best. His best years ahead of him. Uh, the problem is maybe. The injuries he's been, he's been getting, you just never know how much an injury could have affected uh, a player like him. But should he? Uh, and then again, another thing, mm. he doesn't want to leave Barcelona. There was talk of Barcelona offloading him and Coutinho to PSG yeah. to get Neymar, which is funny because they sold Neymar to PSG. Mm. And replaced Neymar with Coutinho and Dembele. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh, I think Dembele is not really interested in leaving. I think he still wants to prove himself at Barcelona. So offloading him becomes difficult, and and, and no club is going to buy him outright, especially this summer. So it might just have to be a loan deal, uh, and and that, that's a, still a bit complex. To get clubs willing to do that, uh, but but yeah, Dembele is is a massive mm. talent, and if I were in charge of a club who could realistically get him, I'd go for him. Great. Um, so as we close, I'll take this round the table. So sorry, Cabral, um, and then Michael, and then Fabian. You close. Um, team of honor to Liverpool appears to be a matter of when, not if. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And then, of course, there's this person, Danny Ceballos, who it appears Arsenal has to make a decision on whether to keep him or not. So, I'd like your thoughts on that, Cabral. And when you're done, Michael, and then Fabian, um, of course, uh, having Kim Ovana would be a massive improvement for Liverpool because uh, it means um, he can play, he can play. Through the center, he can play out wide, and they can uh, all sort of rotate in through the front line. Uh, he can do, he can exchange places with money, you know. And Firmino can always play at the tip of a, sort of a diamond in midfield. So the thing is, if they want to overwhelm you, they can play you a front four, you know, Firmino, Vana, uh, Mane, and Salah, which is scary. And uh, I think it would refresh the club quite a bit because um, at some point Liverpool will be, you know, will be stale because people will find will find them out, you know, how to play against them. So I think it's a good move for him. It should be a good move for him uh, if they pay his release clause. And um, about Danny, 
I think uh, it's it's difficult because um, Sebas is actually sort of a good player, uh, but uh, it, it's one of those players where you have the feeling that he he won't ever reach his ceiling. You know, he'll have a few good games and you know a few not very good ones. Like his career will just be an okay career. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if you're Arsenal, you probably want to buy him and then sell him off after a few, you know, like a season or so. They'll of course they'll be a Liga club who wants him. Like uh, I saw someone talking about uh, Betis. Of course they'll want him back. So yeah, you know, you could potentially make a, a killing. Or, you know, sell yeah, him. I think uh, uh, Rana would be perfect yeah. for mm. for Liverpool. He wants My to go God. there. He scored so many goals and bully so far. I think it's 30 in 39. And he's relatively not too expensive if they can pay the release clause. I think it's about 49, 49 million pounds or something. And Front Row would be perfect. And I think a few episodes ago, Cabral uh, reliably informed us that in about maybe two, three seasons, Liverpool will be will be finished, you know, the 4-3-3. Eventually, they'll get tired, stale, boring, and maybe very predictable. Mm. So this would be a great opportunity for mm. for Klopp to reinvent to reinvent Liverpool mm. with a 4-2-3-1 with, with, with all four of them. That's uh, Mane, Firmino, mm. Salah, and, and Vanna. So it, it's, it's a great opportunity for that to happen and they should they should just take it i think it's much made in heaven and they'll really terrorize us i, I hate to I, I i hope he doesn't go <laughs> and if he does it's, it's gonna spell trouble for the for the premier league <laughs> well Sebaios, Sebaios, Sebaios. what can we say about this guy he says he wants to go back to madrid he says that he's a madrid, he is a madrid player and he intends to prove himself at Madrid. Is that a player that, that Arsenal wants? Someone who is... <laughs> who wants to be at Arsenal? Anyway. Okay, on a serious note though. He, who wants a player who wants to leave that party? He, he would be a great addition for Arsenal. You know, uh, he's... he's he he does have a ceiling, but I think he would fit into Arsenal so well with the type of mentality and his play style. Arsenal should do all they can to keep him, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Let me start with the Danny Sabayos situation. Uh, look, Sabayos, like Michael has said, Sabayas wants to play for Real Madrid. That's where his heart is. So, this is what Arsenal should do. Arsenal should work on getting Thomas Partey. That's the player we need, not Sabayas. Sabayas, we can easily mm-hmm. get... It's easier to re, to, to replace Sabayas than to get a player like Thomas Partey, what Partey would, would bring to, to, your, to a team. And of course, whispers as as have been, especially from Ghana, yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, in fact yesterday he changed managers. Mm. Like his PR, this new PR guy is a massive Arsenal fan. So <laughs> we are hoping that's a sign of 
things to come. Mm. But but yeah, me, uh, we need but we need Thomas Pate in uh, instead of Sebayos. Uh, Sebayos, uh, I I I even find it hard. To, what what's his what's his best position anyway? See, that's, 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 he wants to, yeah he wants to be everywhere. <laughs> Uh, we have Gendouzi who could do, do that, and Gendouzi has a nasty streak, so Gendouzi anytime over him. Uh, so yeah, if he wants to go back to Real Madrid, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's space for him at Real Madrid, mm-hmm. unfortunately for him. Uh, I just don't think Zidane likes mm-hmm. Zidane doesn't think much about yeah. him, and that's just he knows that anyway. <laughs> so. I don't know. Probably, uh, probably he'll end up at the like Cabral said at uh, Real Betis, uh, which which I think would suit. Him. Yeah, he knows the club. He's been there before and all that. Like him, bro. Um, on the matter of uh, Timo Werner, now it would seem that Liverpool is not the only club uh, in for him. Apparently, Chelsea are really. <laughs> That the rumors are Chelsea are going to go big for him. Uh, I've also had Man United are in the mix. Uh, so I think it just means that it's it's not so it's not so obvious that he, he he'll go to Liverpool because Liverpool they're reluctant to spend big this this during this 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 window. I don't I don't know why I don't know if they don't have the money or window. Because Vana has a release clause of 49 million pounds, which expires on the 15th of June. So in like 12 days, that release clause will have expired. So so if Liverpool that don't... Oh, I'm saying... Just say, just say that again, you're breaking. Yeah, so I'm saying uh, Timo Vana has a release clause of 49 million pounds yeah. right now. But it, ex- it expires on the 15th of June. So that's yeah. in like 12 days or so. It will be expiring. I keep wondering why Liverpool wouldn't have already activated that uh, that release by now if they really wanted him. Uh, my feeling is, okay, maybe Klopp, Klopp, yeah. Klopp would like him. And, yeah. and of course, Van also thinks highly of Klopp. But I don't know. There's, I feel there's just something that Liverpool are not seeing in him uh to convince them to take him immediately uh, and i can see why the bayern flattered with the idea of buying of of, of signing vana mm. mm. and in fact last season they could last summer they could have had him for less than 30 million euros but they didn't they let that they let it slide i don't know whether it's his temperament it's his mentality or his inability to mm. play in tight spaces uh that there's just something off about Timo Werner. Uh, remember, there's a time, there's a Champions League game, was it Europa? I think Champions League game, they went to yeah. Besiktas. <laughs> you remember what happened? Werner had to be subbed off mm-hmm. because he felt yeah. the, the stadium was too loud. Which is, okay, which is true. <laughs> the Turkish uh, stadiums are usually very, very loud. But that 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 shows you something about him. Like, is he a player that when you really need, he'll be he'll be there to deliver for you. And and also and also look at in in the German national team, 
Mm. Werner's lost his place effectively. Going into the World Cup, in the 2018 World Cup, he was the first choice striker. But right now, Jogilov is playing with two forwards. And these are and these are wide forwards, actually. Leroy Sane and uh, Serge Gnabry. So he prefers the pace of Sane and Gnabry. And also because Sane and Gnabry can, they can, they have the ability to play in tighter spaces, to dribble out. Vana, the, the problem with Vana is that he's a, he's, he's a, he's a pace merchant. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he is. Most of it. I'm not <laughs> saying he's a bad player. It's not bad to have yeah. your pace merchant. But most of, his, most of his goals at Leipzig come from <laughs> counter-attacks. Yeah. At counter-attacks, he's probably, he's yeah, probably the best striker at counter-attacks because he, <laughs> he's very rapid. So I guess... Th- those many there are some small red flags about him that maybe could be putting Liverpool off. I don't know. It may the, the deal may still go through, but from what it seems, like maybe Chelsea too are, and you see Chelsea don't really have. I think Chelsea are are more in need of a a striker than probably Liverpool. So anyway, anyway, we'll see. This is just speculation, but uh, we will see what happens. Great. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, been insightful as always. So we'll end it there today. I will be back again next week with another freshly minted episode of the Dugout Podcast. Please follow us online at the Dugout KE. Like, share, retweet. So for today, I'd like to thank Cabral. For <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what? Well, you were happy to join us. <laughs> there was no question there. You thanked me. And I, yes. I, I wanted to say no. <laughs> I know. Uh, people will see me next week, so, you know, we'll hear about me. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me again. See, you, right. see you guys right. next week. Uh, Michael, it was nice to hear from you. Yeah, um, this has been nice. Uh, I was sleepy before he started, and right now I can't even think of sleep. So it's been it's been very productive. Okay, only out. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm off to bed. See you guys next week. Join us again. Bye.